0: Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin, and I'm joined by my Thunder Buddy, Thunder Beat writer for the Oklahoman, Joe Masato. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you? Doing all right. Um, We talked pre-pod that um, no FIBA games this morning for Team Canada that we had to wake up early for, and tomorrow we can sleep in and watch those. We don't have to have it right for the pod, but um, it's going to be some interesting matchups. You wrote about it, but... Shea versus Luca is going to be super interesting.
1: Yeah, I uh I likened it as many will to the thriller in Manila. Ali versus Frazier 1975 in Manila, Philippines. And uh all these year later, all of these years later, it is going to be Shea Gilgis, Alexander versus Luka Doncic for another thriller in Manila in the quarterfinals, Canada versus Slovenia uh Shay I saw a video on Twitter he pushed back against it being him versus Luca of course he's going to do that um but going into the tournament we thought these were the two best players uh so far my opinion has not changed so seeing these two guys square off is going to be quite fun Canada is the deeper side um but we know how good Luca is and if he's on his A game that's that's usually good enough uh to win no matter who he's surrounded by I almost wish they'd just clear the court and let them just play one on one just like that would be I don't fun. I
0: don't want Dylan Brooks out here or Zoran Dragić like just let us have this.
1: Yeah, I think the that would be fun. I think the Canadians are u- uniquely equipped to defend Luka. Uh Dort has had tremendous success against him relatively. Uh Luka of course said that, that Dort was a top 3 defender in the NBA and then you've also got I mean, SGA himself, who's a solid defender, and Dylan Brooks, who's another, like Dort, another one of the top perimeter defenders in the NBA. RJ Barrett's got some size uh, and athleticism on the wing. So um I think this Canadian team can can really D up and you know they're they're gonna try to take as much away as possible from Luca. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, since Shea was traded to the Thunder,
0: they've only played against each other five times. Luca and the Mavs have a slight edge with a three and two record. In those games, has averaged thirty-seven and five on fifty thirty-one ninety shooting, whereas Luca's averaged thirty-one eight and five on thirty-nine twenty-two seventy-seven shooting splits. So pretty
1: similar. Yeah, but that's those are pretty bad splits. For, Very for bad Luca. splits for Luca. Yeah. Yeah, that's the door effect. I mean, sub forty percent from from the floor. So we'll see. Uh, I might have already said this. Canada is favored by eight. So. See what happens there and could be on a collision course for um, a border battle in, in in the championship game. I mean, U.S. and Canada are, are on opposite sides of the bracket. I feel like I just said, like, Canada. And that's what some of the announcers have said on the broadcast, like adding an R to Canada. Um, so maybe that's seeping into my brain. But yes, it could be the Canadians versus the Americans uh, in the championship, which would be a lot of fun. I enjoy the FIBA broadcast,
0: especially like you mentioned, the broadcasters. Where those okay, we're gonna throw it live to the coaches huddle, and then they're speaking like Turkish, and it's like, this <laughs> yeah. is great access. I can't do anything with this, but it's it's awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I do love that as well. It's like with uh with the Spain coach the other day, it's like maybe you get a few words here and there, but you don't really know what the whole message is. And sometimes it's like it's like when Finland is playing, it's like I don't know anything. I mean the the alphabets are even different. How am I supposed to learn from this? I do like how the refs are mic'd up and you can hear like everything the refs are saying. Uh, the NBA would never go for that, but that would uh, that's been entertaining. And um, yeah, like Jordy Fernandez, who's coaching the Canadians, he was uh, throwing out a few few F-bombs during one huddle. And it's like, hey, this guy's miked, but they're just going to roll with it. So I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, just hilarious. I, I
0: wonder how many languages these referees have to speak to be able to go and referee there. And like you mentioned, them being mic'd up, they'll never do this. And I tweeted about this, but the NBA, you got to see the exact camera footage they were using for the replays. And you could hear the referees what they were looking at.
1: Yeah, I like how they were like, OK, now real time speed or go back a little bit or you know, slow, slow it down. It's like you you can hear how they're manipulating the footage to kind of like get the call right, which is really cool. Um, As far as the languages, I mean, I'm sure it's helpful if you know more than one, but uh, English is the international language of, I suppose, the world and of basketball. So it's funny seeing some huddles where you're kind of surprised that they are speaking English. But um, yeah, so I maybe the refs can just ignore people easier in this.
0: That's still one of my favorite stories before we get into the actual topic of this pod is when Steven Adams uh, said to Kevin Garnett that he didn't speak English, so Kevin Garnett wouldn't talk trash to him.
1: Yeah, it's a sound strategy. It really is.
0: But anyways, yeah, you mentioned the replays. Fast forward, go back. Well, we're going to rewind. This segment is right team, wrong time Thunder players. The idea for this is just for fun. It's not to say it's like, oh, this guy wasn't good on this team. He wasn't good on that team or they utilized him wrong. It's more just for fun if you could place Thunder players on a team from the future or the past, the only guys off limits that we agreed on are Katie, Russ, CP3, Paul, George, and Shea. You get these t- guys at the exact time of their career when they were with the Thunder. So you don't get Prime, Harden, or Carmelo. You get the, I mean, the exact age they played with in OKC. Um, do you have anything else to add before we get into this?
1: No, I, I think this was a very fun exercise and incredibly difficult exercise because I found myself choosing a specific player from a specific year and putting him on this other team. And it's like, well, you know what? It might help that team better. So I kind of went back and forth, but I settled on five or so. So we can we can discuss however many uh, you want. But um, yeah, I, I suppose we should get into this. Well,
0: let's get into it. Yeah, you can take a good player and put them on a contending team to push them over the top for the Thunder. Maybe there's a young player you think would have thrived better in a different iteration of the Thunder or anything else,
1: uh, but let us, let's hear your first one, Joe. Okay. Um, I hope I'm getting the format right, but I uh, I really like this one. I, I am choosing to select Al Horford from the 2020-2021 team, and I would like to put him on the 2011-12 team, the, the finals team, I think Al Horford um if you basically think of him I mean Perkins would still be on the team but if you think of him as the Perkins replacement you know he is he he's the ideal big man because he's even better than Perkins defensively um and uh, offensively more of an advanced feel for the game and obviously uh, can can shoot the 3 as well so specifically the 2020 2021 version of Al Horford He's 34 years old, so he's going to bring some experience to that squad. Uh, young squad, as, as we all should remember. Um, and that, that season with the Thunder, he took 5.3s per game, which is still a career high. Most he's ever taken. He shot 37% from three. So if you give me veteran Al Horford, who's a rugged defender, who's also now stepping out uh, from the three-point line, stretching the defense on that 2011-12 Thunder team, uh, I feel good about that.
0: I like that a lot. Al Horford is one of the guys who was like on my honorable mentions, but I didn't fit him in. I did have somebody also for this finals team who I wanted to put in there. Another big, I just went with like a swap and I just said 2012, you know, the small ball wasn't nearly as popular or widely accepted by coaches, front offices or the basketball community as it is today, where it's basically like a requirement that your fours and fives space the floor. This guy doesn't space the floor, but what if we had 2016 Stephen Adams on
1: that finals team? That's really funny because I first uh as I alluded to before this exercise flip-flopping some, I first had Stephen Adams on that finals team and then I was like, "Ah, oh, maybe like Horford would be even better." But Adams is more realistic with the way the game was played back then. Adams would be like a better, more athletic, more efficient version of, of Perkins Perkins shot like forty percent from the field in that final series, uh, and uh, you know S- Stephen Adams. I f- I feel like you would just kind of feel better with him down there. So that that's a good pick. Yeah, Perk was great for the matchups with the Spurs, the Grizzlies, and
0: Lakers of teams like that time. But when the Thunder got to the finals, it was not the best matchup for him against Chris Bosh and their spacing. A lot of the what ifs for that series are why not just you know why didn't the Thunder play Serge at the five. I don't know how sustainable that was going to be uh, with LeBron, you know, maybe would have gone differently. But yeah, 2015, 2016, Steven Adams on that finals team. Um, he was only 22 years old still somehow in uh, 2015, 16. he just doesn't age for some reason. But yeah, that's who I had. Who do you have? Or do you have I, anything else to add?
1: Yeah. How do you decide which Adams
0: season to pick? Um, I just picked the one where they went to the Western Conference Finals and he was really good against the Warriors before they blew the infamous lead. But I thought he was really good against the the Spurs that year too because I think they had LaMarcus
1: Aldridge also and Tim Duncan on that team. Yeah. um, I I was just asking because I also had Stephen Adams from a different year, so I guess I'll just go to that. And this is like... uh, while my first one was trying to inject modern basketball into more not old school basketball, but uh, early 2010s basketball, I, I'm gonna bring some old school basketball to, to new school this with this one because I have the 2017-18 version of Steven Adams. He's 24 years old, and I am adding him to this past season's Thunder team. And I am doing I don't even care if he plays one regular season game. Honestly. Don't know how he fits, um, but they won the Pelicans game, but a guy that could uh, rumble with Valentinus down there and against the the Thunder got stomped in, in the Timberwolves game. So I don't think um, anything was going to help them that night. But um, at times this team really struggled to rebound. I think that was the only uh, time that you really could see size as a glaring question. Uh, Jay Will held up just fine. But, you know, Steven Adams from that season, I'm mentioning 13.9 points per game, shot 63%, nine rebounds a game, 1.2 steals, one block per game. Um, so you have the Thunder last year ranked 21st in defensive rebounding. You get Adams in there, he's able to able to help maybe get over that play in battle. So uh, Steven Adams, a popular pick so far. Is that from the Carmelo season or the, the year after? uh let's see here 17 18 i think that is yeah that would have been the carmelo season right
0: yes yeah he had the the two uh armbands steven did i also ah, yes had one of those where let's take a guy from the past and put him in the future i want him on this team going into next year though Ooh. Serge Ibaka 2014 2015 where he was yeah. 25 years old This was the uh, quote-unquote plagues of Egypt season where KD had his Jones fracture. Russ wore the mask for a while and the team was knocked out of the playoff contention by a miracle Anthony Davis. Three. Surge that season averaged 14 points per game, eight rebounds, two and a half blocks on 48, 38, 84 shooting splits, including three attempted threes per game.
1: That's a really good run. I, I mean, there's obviously more to Chet's offensive game than there is to Surge's, but you know, defensively, you can kind of see a, a similar impact, um, you know, and later on, never, never really like stretched to three consistently, but was dynamite with that elbow jumper. But yeah, I I could see him fitting in quite well. I mean, Surgeon in, in some ways, uh, was a little bit ahead of his time with, with just how he was used.
0: Yeah, even at 25, he was already coming off three straight all defensive teams. Uh, playing in three Western Conference Finals and in NBA Finals. Uh, next to Chet, I think it would be great, like you mentioned, extra shot blocking. He can shoot the three. He doesn't necessarily fit the Thunder's like style of all five, pass, shoot, and dribble, but
1: I think he can make enough passes where it's not going to be like too much of a liability. I have a real oversight on my list by not having Serge Ibaka, uh as a replacement for anyone because, as we just talked about, Uh, He was number three on our greatest Thunder list. So what am I doing here? Um, You're just trying to bench Dort, though, it sounds like, if you have Surge on this coming team.
0: Okay, I mean, if that's how you want to look at it. I mean, I thought of it more of, hey, we have a (laughs) 6'10 guy with a uh, 7'3 wingspan who can jump out of the gym. He's a great lob threat for Giddy and Shea. Tell me that this starting lineup would not just absolutely be disgusting of Shea, Giddy, J-Dub, Chet, and 25-year-old Surge
1: yeah i mean i'm all for it i'm all for it that's what this exercise is for the time we are using the time machine and, and i think that's a good use of it um okay for my next one i had to throw kinerich williams on here because i feel like everyone is just you know with, with kinerich it's like he could help any team in the league or if only this thunder team would have had kinerich so you can insert him really wherever you want um I would probably pick maybe this last version of Kenrich just because of the the leadership stuff and he's like cemented as a thunder guy. Uh I did go with his 2020-21 stats though, so I'm kind of combining those if if I can. Um but I'm going to put him on the 2015-16 team. Uh obviously we know how that season ended in the Western Conference Finals. Um that that Thunder team, I mean, a lot of those teams with those high-profile guys and highly paid guys lacked depth, but you look back on it, you know, Deion Waiters did some good things, but he averaged 27 minutes per game off the bench in the playoffs. Randy Foy averaged 12 minutes per game off the bench in the playoffs. So you, you just need better quality depth, and I think Kenrich could give you that, give you another guy to to throw at Clay when he's just throwing it in uh w- without just unconsciously so um yeah give me kenrich on that 15-16 western conference finals team i had the exact same one wow like, word for
0: word i didn't necessarily i was like just give me this year or last year's kenrich i don't really care which one but i think he would have been awesome in that series does it change anything who knows i mean clay had probably the greatest shooting game in the history of basketball so That was fun, but he has high basketball IQ. He is a scrappy, versatile defender, strong mentally, and can space the floor pretty reliably for Katie and Russ. You mentioned like the guys playing minutes um, in that um, series. Let me see. I have it here. The total minutes, but it's just ridiculous. So yeah, it's six guys who played 200 minutes or more, and that's Durant, Ibaka, Russ, Waiters, Robertson, and Adams. And then there's a drop off to 85 minutes played for the total series by. Uh, Cantor and um Randy Foy. So yeah, just having yeah, a just, seventh
1: guy. you just can't have that. Um, he would have been such a you know more viable option, given his size six six can can shoot at some, is going to play defense like crazy and and I think it would really be built to play in the playoffs. I mean, we see how much he uh, gives it as all in the regular season, so uh, yeah, Kenrich on that team, hey maybe it doesn't may, maybe clay's uh game seven doesn't even happen so who knows
0: yeah I, I don't know and the only hold up that i had was the free throw shooting and then i looked up at the <laughs> roster i was like oh andre robertson and stephen adams are on this team never mind that's not that big of an issue
1: yeah may, maybe you have to sub them out late or something but uh that's okay I, i'm willing to it, this this is a depth add after all
0: definitely yeah we're just adding back into the rotation i uh <laughs> You know, we'll replace some of the Anthony Morrow and uh, Randy Foy minutes. But that is my third one. Who
1: is your who's up at number four for you? Okay, Um, This one might be a little weird, but I'm going with it. I'm going to I'm going to add a 24 year old Jeremy Grant. Uh, I'm using his 2018-19 season, and I am adding it uh, to the first Thunder team. I covered and a really fun team, that 2019-20 uh team that, that made the made the playoffs in the bubble, lost to the Rockets in game seven. Um, I basically see that this is this is not a knock against Darius Baisley, but just imagine if that version of Jeremy Grant uh got the same role that Darius Baisley did uh, on that team. That team was incredibly young, really, aside from Chris Paul. I mean, Gallinari was on it as well. Maybe Gallo comes off the bench as a shooter off the bench. Um, maybe Dort, who was a rookie at that time and had his breakout. I don't know if he comes off the bench because someone has to guard James Harden. Um, but I think Jeremy Grant on that 2019-20 team would have been really good. And um, not, not, the, not the sad part. That was nothing but a happy year. But coincidentally, the year before was, was his last year with, with the Thunder before he was traded to the Nuggets. So it was at the very beginning stages of, of the teardown, um, didn't get the sense that Jeremy Grant was, was going to resign, so they instead traded him to recoup some value there. Um, but no one knew how good that Thunder team was actually going to be. And if Grant sticks around, maybe they're even better.
0: Yeah, the expectations for that season were all over
1: the map. No one really knew what to think. And then the Thunder,
0: led by Chris Paul, just kept winning game after game where you're like, oh, they're they're very serious about this. But yeah, yeah Grant, he was traded that offseason and he could have been on that team if not for that trade, but they got a first round pick out of him. That was the right thing to do. But yeah, some of those minutes late in those games where the Rockets would go into micro ball where it was like PJ Tucker at the five with like Jeff Green, yeah. Eric Gordon, Russ and Harden. Would have been very nice to have something else in your back pocket to throw like small ball out there without Gallo being at the five. Yeah, that
1: was, that was a fun, fun season. What else do you remember
0: for that season before I go to my next one? I don't think we've gone in depth. Uh, just any great memories from the,
1: the bubble year? Uh, so we were, well, I mean, the, like the flashbulb memory I'll, I'll never forget is obviously, you know, that night, mm-hmm. March 11th, 2020, when everything shut down was there with Maddie Lee, who was, uh, uh, co- uh I was co beat writers with, um, at the time. And it was just like, we knew that we were at the center of something crazy. And it was that night was just a blur. Um, obviously Rudy Gobert test positive, but, uh, on happier note before that happened, before the world shut down, um, just, you know, Chris Paul is, I mean, it was, it was very interesting to see the contrast between him and among this locker room of like really young guys. And we all knew that Chris Paul wasn't going to be in Oklahoma city for more than a year. Heck when he was traded, it was like, is this guy ever going to put on a thunder uniform? Or are they just going to reroute him? And he totally bought in. And one of the best stories from that season, you'll probably remember this is when he, uh bought custom suits for everyone on the team and like Steven Adams who always comes in and sweats and flip-flops is uh is coming in all all suited up. Um Darius Baisley. Uh Chris Paul had one of the funniest uh comments I remember Baisley walks in looking real sharp. Chris Paul says, look at Bays coming in here like the pursuit of happiness. And uh everyone uh, cracked up at that, but it was that was that was one of the best memories.
0: The suits were great. I was at that Utah game. We were robbed of uh, Utah wearing their throwback uniforms also that's that right.
1: night. The purple ones.
0: Yeah, I remember um there was a delay when guy ran trainer ran out of the floor, and I remember they did the halftime show before
1: the game, which is always a, a good sign. Yeah, that's uh yeah, I I I did a story on that halftime performer because it was like hey we we need you to go out right now because silence makes people nervous and that should have also made people nervous but hey he went out and did it and about 30 minutes later uh games postponed and the league is stopping play
0: i have a video of that night on my phone where it's the guy performing the pre-show halftime a uh, concert i guess and everyone's like on their phone trying to figure out what's happening and there's just like two high school kids waving their phones in the air like lighters at a concert and i just videoed yeah. that but remember that happening and my dad was pretty upset we went to the game i was like i feel like this is
1: going to be something pretty memorable i don't know what's happening but this feels big but yeah it was memorable andy larson who, who covers the jazz he was like hey does anyone have a phone charger and like We knew nothing about COVID, so we were like even weird. There's hand sanitizer all over the place. It's like, yeah, here it is. And he like felt bad like touching my phone charger because he was like "Uh, CNN's calling. I'm I'm going on Don Lemon, and he's like recording an interview like from his phone with Don Lemon uh, from the court. So it was it was all crazy. That's crazy.
0: Well, you mentioned that um, bubble team. I want to actually take a guy off that team and move him somewhere else. And that is Danilo Gallinari. Ah, I, I thought that'd be the one. I am putting him. Does this change the team's destiny? Probably not, but I think it would be fun. Just I'm putting him in Carmelo's spot for that year. OK, I think that, um, you know, Carmelo in that season averaged 16, 6 and 1 on 40, 36, 77 shooting splits, playing 32 minutes a night. Gallo, on the other hand, 18.7, five rebounds, two assists on 44, 41, 89 in three minutes less per game. And the thing with um, Gallo is obviously that series was more about just who was guarding Donovan Mitchell against Utah. And Carmelo kind of got played off the floor and Gallo would have some of those same issues. But at the same time, he just played against Prime Harden coming off an MVP where he averaged 38 for that entire season. So I'm, I'm feeling decently about his odds. And I just another guy who can create and space the floor for Russ and PG and maybe they get to the second round and lose to the rockets anyways but i think it would be a fun what if just to to replay that series
1: yeah you know both are both are bad defensively but gallo is the p- pure shooter as well He's just like better defined or better suited for that role i mean he shot it so so well in that season um with the thunder i remember like going out to practices and stuff and you've seen this too michael they'll play like uh this shooting game after practice where it's mm-hmm. like a version of around the world um all all from 3 and like gallo would win every single time and like you know mike mascola you used to win all the time but when Moscala was teammates with gallo gallo would always beat him um so that guy was just a, a pure knockdown shooter he he's another guy um that you could just you know very different player than kenrich williams but both have skill sets that be like, oh yeah, this team could use that guy. Yeah, highly adaptable. And um, you know, with Carmelo, we found out
0: what was gonna happen on Media Day that first day when Eric Horn asked him about coming off the bench and was like, oh, this is sealed and closed. Whereas Gallo, <laughs> maybe he would have come off the bench. And then a lineup of Gallo, Jeremy Grant, Russ, PG, and the the ghost of Corey Brewer, I think could have been pretty good.
1: Yeah, I uh I like that one. I could have also used Gallo for my next one. My last one, and listen, I I feel like I had to use Isaiah Joe on one of these, so I'm doing it. Um, I'm using Isaiah Joe of last season, because that's my only option. (laughs) And I am adding him to the 2016-17 team, so post-KD. That's Russ's MVP year. The Thunder was dead last in the NBA in shooting. Russ was going guns blazing, but you know what? Isaiah Joe, you just I don't care that Abrines was on the team as well. Play him out there together, just surround Russ with four shooters. He's going to the basket. He can spray out. Uh that that team just needed more shooting. Um and what would maybe even boost the assist totals even more for Russ. You don't trust Samaje Christian out there? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Moving on. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> pretty
0: open and closed book there. Yeah, that was a... That was definitely a different season, but yeah, I, I love that call. I would have put Abrinus on some other teams too. I, it, at first when I was doing this exercise, I was like, okay, I have like three or four guys in mind. And then I started like writing the guys down. And I'm like, oh, there are a lot of guys who I'd like to see in a different place and see yeah. what they could do. And I think Abrinas and, um, and Isaiah Joe are two of the easiest ones because the Thunder just, just for historically have needed one extra shooter a lot of times.
1: Yeah, I uh I thought about Abrinas as well. Um, you know, there there's other players that I went back on and and looked at like, you know, thinking, okay, maybe this team needs a defensive specialist. You've got, you know, Robertson, Safalosha, Dort, but it's like those guys like spanned Thunder history. So it's like every team kind of had one of those. So you're looking more for um kind of an all-around, you know, plug and play skill set or um kind of an offensive specialist so uh schroeder was so good in that 2019-20 season he could have been another one but um yeah D- did we get through all years or i have, you have one, one more. more one more um i have this one another one that
0: you're gonna say i'm just trying to replace Dort, which is not the case but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. i want second year jeff green on this thunder team <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a different basketball climate, Joe. The entire NBA is a different <laughs> brand of basketball, and the Thunder are different under Mark Dagnall. You can take either rookie Jeff Green, who played for the Sonics, or uh, second year for the Thunder. I'm just going to take the second year one for this exercise. He was 22 no, at the No, you're not
1: allowed to pick a Sonics player?
0: I didn't. I, I <laughs> okay. said his second <laughs> well, year. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to say I could,
1: but I didn't. I'll take KD's rookie season.
0: Yeah, that's, that's one of my other fears was like someone going, well, I'll just take um, James Harden and I'll put him on the 2012 team so they just have two of them. Yeah. That was one of my fears for this. But yeah, yes. Jeff Green, uh, he has size, skill, and physicality. He's a great small ball four or five right now. He can also handle the ball. I'm not under like any disillusions that it's like, oh, well, if you put him under this iteration of the Thunder, Jeff Green would realize his potential and be a superstar and all star. But I think he would have been like a very, very good role player in sort of the same vein as like Kenrich and kind of what you've seen him do over the last decade of just bouncing around teams and playing in playoff series and high level basketball.
1: Yeah, Jeff Green's the ultimate example. I mean, the guy is still playing and, and his game has evolved to a degree, but it's a very transferable skill set. Um, and a guy that a lot of teams are, you know, want to have in their locker room and want to have around. So, um, Jeff, Jeff green is, is definitely a good pick there. He was also among the guys I considered, um, But yeah, I I just lost my train of thought. I think I was about to say something revolutionary, but I'm going to have to uh, see if it comes back to me.
0: I'll I'll buy you some time. Yeah, Jeff Green in year (laughs) two averaged 16.5 points per game, seven rebounds and two two assists. He averaged 45, 39, 79 shooting splits. I didn't know this, but from year one to year two, he raised his three-point percentage by 11%. For reference, we all appropriately were pretty happy with Josh going from 26 to 32.5 last year. That was only a 6% increase. So yeah. Jeff Green in this new NBA where you wouldn't be asking him to do a bunch of mid posts and other things like that, that we just, you know, that was the time in the NBA. That's they were doing the right thing, even not knowing how the game would change. But I think mm-hmm. that Jeff Green, if you put him in a time machine at 22 and put him on this iteration of the Thunder, I think it'd be really good. A lineup of Shea, J Dub, Kenrich, Jeff Green, and Chet is just crazy to me, where you have three like super versatile wings who can shoot, pass, dribble, and then you have Shea and Chet as your cornerstones.
1: Yeah. I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Um before we get any people griping, just want to remind everyone the rules that Michael laid out at the top. We're not picking KD or Shea or Russ or CP. And also you're thinking like, what about what about Sabonis? Well, we're not getting all NBA Sabonis. We're getting rookie Sabonis. Like you, you can only pick a year that they were on the Thunder. So, uh, just like James Harden, you're not getting MVP Harden. So, um, I thought this was very fun. Uh, I would love in the world in the alternate universes. Maybe this is happening, but we're podcasting with Sam Presti. And he is doing this because it would be very uh, be very interesting to see kind of what what guys he would pick. Immediately. I
0: want Nick Collison on this team. That's it.
1: <laughs> no,
0: I think it would be very interesting. Be to be Nick give...
1: Collison on every team every until team. the end of time.
0: Yeah. The question is which version? We got like 12 years of him. So it's going to be it's very... Like, give me
1: Josh Eustace on next year's team. <laughs> it's like, well, you can have him. He's out there.
0: I'm Raymond Felton. That's who I want. (laughs) But yeah, there are a lot of great honorable mentions we didn't get to. But like you mentioned, Sabonis, you get rookie year. So maybe you can say you get rookie year from then on, but that's not really the exercise we had. Some honorable mentions I had. I think Victor Oladipo could use a do-over. I think he would have been fun. Um, James Harden is just one of those things where it's like you don't know how he's going to balloon and uh, grow as a player. But I think this sort of iteration of how the Thunder play that younger version of James Harden, who still did play defense and moved off the ball a little bit more, I think would fit. But the Thunder have been very lucky as a franchise to have so many fantastic players where we could eliminate Durant, Shea, Russ, CP three and Paul George, and still have a lot of fun and build some fun teams here.
1: Yeah. And we didn't even say like, I mean, J Dub and, and giddy. is mm-hmm. still very, very young. Um, but, you know, those are two guys. Even the rookie version of J-Dub and the sophomore version of Giddy could be really useful. Um, or, you know, third season of Giddy. So, um, yeah, there's there's all kinds of options. I'm glad that we didn't have
0: to get deep into the uh, the barrel here and go into the Jeremy Grant. Not to the Jeremy Grant, it's the Jeremy Lambs and the...
1: Yeah, how dare you? I Perry used the third? No,
0: I wanted <laughs> Jeremy Grant. He was on my list. I just had to cut it down a little bit here. Do you have a favorite... <laughs> Um, of one of these that we did today, which which has been your favorite that you've heard. Or maybe it's
1: your own. Well, I mean, I'm going to say it's Kenrich Williams on that 1516 team because we both had it. So that that must be a thing that should have happened. I liked Al Horford on that finals
0: team. I thought that was good. I thought that was fun. We both just went completely different directions with that where it's like, we want a new center. It's like, cool. Who? We want guys <laughs> who do completely opposite things who are
1: very different in age, about 10 years apart. How about we just add them both and they can just kind of rotate with each other, throw two different looks.
0: Uh, you're making me think about the off season with Durant where they should have had Al for- Horford, but then, you know, that's another topic for another day where you're trying to only have happy things right now. So these are only happy hypotheticals that you can run in your two K Sims or anything like that. But Joe, thanks for coming on with me. Do you have anything else to plug before we get out of here?
1: Uh, I will be, Covering from afar, very, very afar, uh, the FIBA game tomorrow. I'll be writing something off the Canada-Slovenia game uh, as we get into the latter stages of the FIBA World Cup. And as you may or may not have seen, was out at OU on Saturday, chipping in with some football coverage. And I am headed to tempe arizona on friday to uh cover osu at arizona state so i'm gonna have some stuff on that i'll have something pre-game on osu but um our guys jacob Unruh and scott Wright do a great job on osu so read their stuff and uh yeah football season's getting going definitely do
0: that um i apologized again to everybody who heard joe said i predicted OU would go 12 and 0. no uh, hey
1: one down, 11 to go for your prediction,
0: Michael. <laughs> not my prediction. We'll put it on you. But yeah, that should be fun. How how was the heat on
1: Saturday? Were you in the press box or out on the field? I was in the press box and not to complain because I was in the press box. Um, but at, before the 11 a.m. game, you know, the sun was just shining, just beating into the press box and reflecting off the glass. And it was like an oven in there. So outside for a moment felt better than it did in the press box, but you know, I was walking around outside the stadium before the game and everything like that. Um, So it looks like at least in Norman, it's going to be another hot one this weekend, but hopefully the fall temperatures that are well suited for football will arrive soon.
0: Good Lord. It it looks so hot out there. I didn't go to the game, but just hearing from people and seeing on the field and how many guys cramped up from the other team, but yeah, should be a lot of fun. Make sure to, follow up with that coverage make sure to follow up with joe tomorrow as he um tries to not be biased against luca as uh (laughs) luca and shea play tomorrow one of your favorite matchups
1: i have nothing against the slovenians i want to tell the great people of slovenia where we have a very strong listener base because they're thunder fans instead of mavericks fans for some reason uh it's nothing against you it's it's mainly luca
0: yeah i couldn't think of any other slovenian players who played for the Thunder we have Goran Dragic Zoran Dragic Luka and it's like
1: I don't know I don't think there has has been a Thunder player from Slovenia but I'm I really hope I'm right about that wasn't a uh, Sasha Vujicic from Slovenia I think Sure. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. We
0: should wrap it up. <laughs> we'll wrap it up. All right. Well, thank you, Joe, for coming on with me. Thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Leave a description. It really helps the show. And we'll be back on Friday for more Thunder Talk.